Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to 10, uh, the faith of the centurion. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself, a man under authority, with soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I'll tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Um, for those of you taking notes, the title of my sermon today is You'll Never Walk Alone. Uh, some of you are giggling because you already know what this means, um, but for some of you who don't know me, uh, I am a Liverpool fan, a big Liverpool fan. Uh, me and Rora were born in Liverpool, uh, hence why uh, we support them. Uh, but yeah, if you didn't know, didn't know anything about football, uh, You'll Never Walk Alone is actually uh, the anthem of Liverpool Football Club, uh, or the slogan even, um, just very supportive. Uh, so if you're looking for a club to support, I mean, there's no better, there's no better club, um, even though we're not doing very well this season. Anyway, um, but I used, to, I used to play football, I used to love playing football. Uh, even as a little kid, or when I was a little kid in primary school, I wasn't very good. Uh, I used to kind of put my hand in my pocket and just kind of stare at the sky and kind of watch all the planes like fly by, whilst all the other kids are like running around behind, around me. Um, but apart from that, uh, when I got into like secondary school, uh, university, I got a lot better. Um, pretty good if I might say so myself. Um, but not, not here to brag. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, when I was in university, I played a lot. Uh, secondary school, during break times, I played a lot. Uh, I'm sure all of us were very sporty, used to play sports in school on a regular basis. Um, but uh, I had to stop. I was pretty much made to stop uh, because of a knee injury I had in 2018. And it actually happened when I was playing football. Uh, so basically all I did was kind of change direction. There wasn't like anyone around me. Uh, and all I did was change direction. And you just feel and hear this click. Similar to how you crack your knuckles. Uh, I just felt it in my knee. Uh, and so suddenly it kind of felt unstable and pretty weak. Uh, which Kind of out of the blue just feels a bit strange and obviously concerning. Um, but turns out it was an ACL injury, an ACL rupture. Uh, in case you didn't know what that is, it's one of the ligaments in the knee. And what happened was it completely tore. Uh, so there was, it just basically gone. It's like an elastic band just snapped completely. Um, and I kind of liken it, the instability of it is like, it's like leaning on a toothpick kind of thing. Uh, so when you put your whole body weight on, your, on my leg, um, it, it just feels like it's going to snap kind of thing. Uh, so that's how weak it felt suddenly. Um, but for, if you didn't know, 
Uh, I know we have some doctors here, but I wouldn't try and be a scientist here. But um, if, for, for an ACL rupture, uh, you need a surgery. Uh, for, for a complete tear, you need a surgery to, to amend it, to essentially just stitch it back together. Uh, and um, so I had a surgery, uh, but the problem was uh, I had waited about six months for my surgery. Uh, and actually, there's a picture of me in a brace um, there. Um, but yeah, you can see, without the brace, basically, I would pretty much topple over. Um, but yeah, uh, walking on one leg wasn't fun. Um, but yeah, I had to wait about six months for a surgery to amend it. And six months on that isn't the best thing in the world. Um, and then on top of that, I had to probably wait another two to three months before I could walk again. Uh, because I had to go for rehab, I had to strengthen it and things like that. Uh, it took a lot of time, essentially. Uh, and one of the problems was that you can see in the, my leg is quite straight. Um, there, but basically I couldn't bend my knee uh, due to some complications. Uh, so imagine, yeah, you spend six to seven months kind of not being able to bend your knee, not being able to put your weight on your knee. It's a pretty sorry sight, I guess. Uh, and for those of you who, I won't say, but for those of you who know how far I have to travel to come to church, it's not a pretty experience. Um, but yeah, um, that was me for about most better part of a year, almost. Um, but yeah, I had to essentially, after the surgery, because I hadn't bent my knee for about six, seven months, I had to force it to bend, essentially, uh, which is uh, pretty pretty horrible, but I think slowly, day after day, it kind of gets better and better as you start, start to force it to bend, essentially. Um, but yeah, it took about two to three months to relearn how to walk, and for those of you who don't know, um, that's a pretty weird experience. Um, and yeah, throughout the time, it was pretty frustrating. Um, it, was, it wasn't the best of fun. Physically, uh, I mean, we all went through lockdown. Uh, but imagine just doing that by yourself, uh, not being able to go out, not being able to go to church as much as I'd want to. Uh, when people hang out for dinner during the weekdays, might not be able to go. Um, and yeah, it wasn't part of church uh, as much as I'd want to be. Uh, I just started a new job uh, around the same time as the injury. So going in the office was kind of restrictive. Uh, I mean, imagine going through this, you kind of expect to do a bit of physio. But for my job, is an office job. So sitting down nine to five is not going to help that situation. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a great experience. So there was that as well. Um, yeah, start a new job. So the stuttering start, I guess you could say to that. Um, I even had friendships that, because I couldn't go out as much, I even had friendships that kind of fractured a bit because of insecurities that I had. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a pretty experience at that. Um, even rehab and recovery didn't take as long as, it, did, it took longer than I thought it would. Um, I mean, usually you'd have like, a, I mean, if, 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 most of us would probably Google search a, a symptom or something, but I mean, most sites would say like, oh, you can walk within two to three weeks of your surgery. Um, but yeah, as I said, I couldn't walk about two to three months of my surgery, so it was quite different. And it wasn't great. Um, I was quite lonely, to be honest. Um, not because I had, didn't have people kind of supporting me. I know people in church took time to pray for me. Uh, family as well, friends as well, who, who didn't come to church as well, uh, also prayed as well. So it wasn't so much lack of support, uh, but more so that I just felt lonely because it was just me. Uh, I, I mean, I could tell people the story. I could tell people how I was feeling the pain, but it didn't feel like people could relate. Uh, it didn't feel like... It, I mean, again, they could support me, but it was still just me going through it by myself, essentially. Uh, there wasn't anyone to hold my hand to go through it, essentially. 
Um, and I think waking up every morning, limping to go to the toilet the first thing in the morning didn't help. Just being reminded by it. Um, and even, even like, if, you, if you look at your legs, they're pretty even in weight for most of us, I'd say. Uh, but my left leg started to lose a lot of weight because I wasn't using it very much. So if you compare my left leg to my right leg, uh, at the time, it was a lot skinnier uh, than my right leg. So it wasn't a pretty look. Um, so this is a very, <laughs> not a very cheerful story. Um, so why am I telling you this? Why am I telling you this in comparison to the faith of the centurion? Um, I also wondered the same thing when I was preparing for my sermon. I was thinking, God, why, why are you asking me to share all this? Um, but on reflection, uh, not so much when I was going through it, but on reflection, um, I think God was really trying to tell me and kind of test my faith because he was trying to say to me, would you, be the, would, would you allow me to be the comfort, comforter of your heart? Uh, not, not so much what I can give you. Because, I mean, that makes sense, right? Because when we're going through bad periods, uh, we turn to God like, God, can you provide? Can you heal? Uh, can you do all that? It, may, it makes sense. But God wasn't telling me or encouraging me um, that I'm just the provider. Um, he's just telling me that um, he wants to be there for me. He wants a relationship with me, right? Uh, and that's what he wants for all of us. Um, and I guess, yeah, he was just telling me that are you in it for the stuff that I can give you or the stuff, or, or really just me? Are you in it for me? Are you, do you want to be personal with me? And I think, not to knock down anyone, but because faith can be challenging. Obviously, we go through challenging times, tests, um, but faith isn't always just about believing for something and then waiting and then in time you'll receive. Uh, obviously, through prayer and petition, yes, God can deliver. Um, but God wants to be known for more than just his power to deliver. Uh, he wants to be known for his love, his care, his compassion. Uh, and these things aren't experienced through just an ATM machine kind of thing. It's a, it's a personal, deep personal relationship with God, right? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read it out. Um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, God wants to be our comforter. Uh, but God is the ultimate gentleman, uh, and he won't force us to let him in. He won't impose himself on us, uh, so we need to call out and welcome him in. Amen? Um, i just read a portion of First Peter chapter 1, verse 17. It says, you call out to God for help, and he helps. He's a good father that way. Um, and, ca- and calling God isn't just about saying, God, give me the answer. God, just come save me. Um, That's not what God expects from us. God wants us to be sincere when we come to him, right? wants to be personal in coming to him as well. And if we want to show our desire for Jesus to be our comforter, uh, one of the important things is how we live our life, right? Uh, Obviously, church is one thing, um, but it's how we live our life from Monday all the way to Sunday, not just on the Sunday. and we live our life in such a way which appeals to him, right? Uh, and from the passage we read in Luke, uh, if we study this centurion that we, we've, we've heard so much about, um, there are three qualities which I'll take us through. Um, yeah, the three qualities make up my three points. Surprise, surprise. Um, but these three qualities start with the heart. 
so, yeah, the heart, show your heart, in other words. Um, but this doesn't necessarily mean kind of showing what we want, showing our heart's desires, um, but it's more about showing your heart for others. Uh, and we're going to see two examples in which our centurion shows this. Uh, so if we turn to verse 2, it says, um, There a centurion servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. Now, back in those days, um, under Roman law, apparently you could actually kill your servant, and it was fine. Uh, in fact, it was actually expected that you just get rid of your servant um, like as a piece of junk. Like most of us, how many of us have traded our phones? Very easily, right? Uh, imagine trying to cherish your phone so lightly. Uh, I don't think any of us would do that. I, I think most of us would just sell it instantly. Um, but obviously, this centurion was exceptional, very different. He had a heart for his people. Uh, we're going to talk about authority later, but for the people he had authority over, he cared for each and every one of them, right? Yeah. And that just shows a glimpse of his heart. Um, he cared so much that he wanted to help him, he said. Um, and in verse 3, it says, he sent some elders of the Jews uh, to go talk to Jesus. Uh, if you just highlight verse 3, because we'll come back to that later. Um, but yeah, you can see his plea that he'll send not just anyone, uh, but leaders and prominent figures to go to talk to Jesus. He could easily just send his next-door neighbor, but he, instead he sent these people who meant something to the people around him, right? And so in verse 4, it says, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. Now, I think when most of us request a favor from a friend, um, we wouldn't hear the word pleaded earnestly. Uh, I think if most of us ask one of our friends to ask Pastor Dave or someone for a favor, um, I think we would all be very shy, very embarrassed. Uh, and even us, imagine we're the centurion, you're very, oh, why are those people speaking so highly? It's, 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 not a, it's not a pleasant feeling, I guess you could say. Um, and, but even still, these, these leaders, these, uh, these prominent figures uh, still spoke so highly uh, of the centurion uh, and even begged him to go help the centurion uh, because they recognized that this was a good centurion, this is a good person. Uh, but remember, back in those days, uh, centurions and Romans, uh, not only are they um, Gentile, uh, but they're also a Roman soldier, someone who is an instrument of Israel's oppression. Uh, so, but it says, says a lot that um, even though what this person represents, what this person does and his people do, um, these leaders were still able to deem him worthy of Jesus' help, right? So it just speaks of testament to how good this person was to the people around him, right? Um, the second example, which displays the centurion's heart, is in verse 5. Verse 5 it says, Because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Uh, now again, remember, this was a guy who uh, belonged to an organization which was probably used to burning down churches, burning down synagogues and things like that. Um, but obviously, quite the contrast here where you see him, and if you look, search online, probably should have thrown it up here, but he, there's actually pictures of uh, the synagogue that he helped build. He built the foundations of it, uh, which, which the, the building would be put on top of. Um, so he really literally put the bricks down himself and, and, and supplied those bricks for these people to worship God because he understood the importance of God to these people around him. He decided to give them a space for them to worship. Amen. Uh, and we as Christians should also aspire to be like this. Uh, build a place of worship for God. Amen. Uh, whether it be coming early to, to, to set up. Uh, for those who, who don't know, obviously the church 
the, the seats don't magically appear. Uh, I see Hannah this morning was arranging all the chairs neatly uh, to, to make sure it's all set up. Even sound team setting up the, the stands. Uh, just making space for us to be able to worship God, right? Uh, but not just on a Sunday, uh, but also during homes as well. Uh, I mean, we have uh, people cook for your homes as well. You've got people setting up the chairs, booking spaces, preparing their place, making sure they come home early from work so they can prepare the space. Um, and homes, is, homes exist so that people can locally access God, right? It's not just there for fun and games. It's not just there for just a laugh, but... Uh, it's also there to, to access material, to learn about God, to uh, also find a community of like-minded people like us, right? Amen? And so even though we might not have the facilities to literally build a church, I mean, I'd love to be able to build a church, um, but there are other ways that we can help facilitate that. Amen, right? And, I mean, so many of you already have kind of this ability. I mean, I've been here... A long time, I guess. I won't say how long. Um, but yeah, I've, come, I've had friends come and visit church, and one of the first things they always say is how friendly our church is. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at Nikki in the front, literally smiling her face away. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, our church is so friendly. Uh, I mean, all of us here are just so warm and so kind, uh, not just because when, when Suntao chairs and asks people to, uh, to welcome others, uh, we just do it for the sake of it. But we generally want to say hi to our friends, say hi to new people, meet new faces, right? Um, and, and, and it just makes me really proud as well to attend a church like that. Uh, and I think, I, think, I think we all want that to continue, amen? Yeah. And so if we go to verse 6, it just says, uh, so Jesus went with them. Uh, so you can see, after hearing about the centurion from the leaders, um, Jesus goes with these leaders to, to, to the centurion's house. And it might be a small thing, but God, you can see God is attracted to a good heart. Amen. Uh, not just because it's just like, oh, it sounds nice, but it, he's genuinely attracted to someone who is living their lives out, having a heart for people around them, not just for the selfish ambition. Amen. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Um, I, I mean, I really like the way it's been put here because um, if you think of like a spring, um, I mean, most of us would love to go travel, right? Uh, we go travel to all these different destinations. Uh, but if you imagine just a lovely spring of water with all these forests and trees and really pretty around it, uh, I mean, the first thing you'd probably take out your phone, take a picture, post on Instagram straight away. Um, but people travel miles to go see these places, right? Uh, I mean, you see all these pictures. I mean, I could have thrown a picture on, 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 on the slides, but um, people travel miles to see these pictures. And people are drawn to these places. Uh, so imagine yourself being that person who produces that spring of life, amen, because of how good your heart is. And, and it's not just people that are drawn to you, uh, but God himself is also drawn to you as well, Amen. So we can see the importance of having a heart for others, how God is attracted to it. Amen. Um, but understand that having a good heart isn't about earning God's presence. Uh, it's not about boosting your own reputation even. Uh, I mean, when we have loads of friends, great. But it's not about putting extra stock on yourself. Uh, it's not even about leveraging God to come to us. Um, but understanding God's heart, and that's the best heart you could aspire to have, uh, understanding God's love for us is to understand unconditional love. Amen? And 
how often is it? It's so easy for us to only dish out what we receive, right? Uh, if someone gives you a gift, uh, you, you feel like you should give them something back, right? Uh, but that's it. Uh, if someone shares something personal to you, you only share kind of the same amount when you share your own story, right? Um, but that's not what God's about. God's not about being just fair, like you get this, you get this. Uh, but God is simply about being good uh, and having a good heart uh, without the need of return or any reward uh, for that. And of course, this is obviously much easier said than done. I think most of us who attend church uh, and do life with other people, um, even Christians can be uh, impolite, uh, frustrating can be as well. It can be ungrateful as well sometimes. Some people and uh, selfish. Um, speaks very highly of our church now, I'm joking. Um, but no, it's, it's all these little things kind of affect kind of the condition of our heart. It makes us think twice, makes us uh, hesitate to uh, do more for other people around us. Um, but one of the best things to kind of counter that, to oppose that, is really to have humility. And this is what we're going to look at next as well. So my second point is having uh, the humility or covering yourself in humility. Amen. Uh, if you look back to verse 4, um, it says, this man deserves to have you do this. So you can see the elders are given a good account of the century. In verse 4, it says, this man deserves to have you do this. And obviously, you see the reasoning in verse 5. But if we jump ahead, because when we read that, we say, wow, yeah. I mean, even when we read it, we think, yeah. If there's anyone who deserves God's help, um, it's the centurion, right? Uh, but if we jump to verse 6, um, it says, Lord, he said, he's actually, the centurion sent friends. He, he himself didn't go outside his house. He sent his friends to relay a message. It says in verse 6, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. And at the beginning of verse 7, it says, that is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. Um, now, remember, remember I spoke about the centurion and how he represents the Roman organization or army. Uh, he, you can see the centurion knew his place. Uh, you can see that the centurion spoke uh, about um, him not being worthy to have Jesus uh, come visit him. Uh, because he knew that he wasn't just a Gentile, as I say. He wasn't just a Roman soldier. Uh, but this was a guy who was labeled as someone who was basically against everything that Jesus represented, right? Uh, and it's amazing that this centurion, this specific centurion, I mean, if it was me, I would think, oh yeah, these people, these, these leaders are speaking highly of me. Maybe I do deserve Jesus to come to, under my house, right? But even still, the centurion had this humility to say um, he was not worthy. Uh, it's amazing that uh, whilst other people thought he, was, he deserved Jesus to have... Um, uh, him come under his roof, he himself still thought he was undeserving. Uh, and even though he, I wrote here, even though they, he praised him for building a house of worship, so he helped build the house of worship, uh, he built, helped build this house of God, right? He still felt unworthy that Jesus would come under his own house, in verse 6. Uh, and how many of us in that moment would realize that, yeah, when Jesus is outside and your servant is kind of sitting in the room, about to die, uh, would just open the door, rush out, welcome Jesus, wouldn't even offer him a cup of drink, just tell him to like, go to the room, lay his hands on the sick, and see the miracle happen, right? It's very easy for us to just rush out, because not only do we feel that we maybe deserve it, 
but we just want to see the miracle happen. We just want to see our servant healed as well. Because remember, this centurion had a heart for this, his servant, right? Yeah. And he would just rush him in. Um, but not this one. This centurion was patient and didn't, and didn't even step outside his own house to welcome Jesus. Um, and similar to how um, we order takeaway. Uh, how many of us have ordered takeaway? I mean, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> On Deliveroo, you see the tracker, you see the guy literally driving down to your place. Uh, and I'm one of those people who, when I see the driver is one minute away, I will probably wait outside the door and wait for the doorbell to ring. Uh, and my window is actually pointing over the, the road as well. So I can actually see the guy on his moped or bicycle or car literally drive into my driveway and then expect the bell to ring. Uh, and how many of us would honestly do that? Um, because, yeah, delivery is amazing. But anyway, um, beyond, the, beyond the point, um, some of us are so desperate to get what we want or get what we deserve uh, or think that we deserve. Um, but instead, this centurion says in verse 6, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. So not only is there patience, but there's mainly humility. Humility to say, Okay, God, I don't deserve to have you come under my own roof. Even though you're here to save my servant, um, we still don't have, um, we don't still don't deserve for you to come and have you uh, here. So instead, um, the centurion says in verse 7, but say the word and my servant will be healed. And so you see, the centurion didn't, have, didn't just have the heart, he didn't just have the humility. Uh, but the third point, he also had the faith. And so having faith, uh, and great faith, worthy of amazement. Amen? Um, and again, there are two examples uh, of the centurion showing great faith. And remember verse 3? We're going to ask you to underline it. Um, the, the verse 3 says, The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders. So you can see here straight away, when he heard, he believed. And when he believed, he acted. Uh, how many people are so quick to just kind of hesitate and think, mm, I want to hear a bit more evidence, a bit more, bit more of this Jesus, a bit more. Um, but instead, no, this guy straight away, when he heard that Jesus was around, he straight away sent elders. So there was action to his faith. Amen? And so he knew he, didn't, he, knew he needed him. And that's the first example of great faith. Uh, the second example is in verse 7. It says, but say the word and my servant will be healed. Uh, how many of us would say that? Uh, again, if it was me and I heard Jesus was outside my door, I would ask him to go straight to the room and literally put his hands on the servant. Um, but not this person, not this guy, not the centurion. Uh, he knew all he needed to hear was God to say the word or Jesus to say the word. Uh, in verse 8, it says, for I myself, a man under authority, with soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Uh, let's just take a small bit to talk about authority. Uh, now, if you show the slide of the, all the little people, um, you don't need to read the yellow text, it's okay. Um, but basically, um, you can see here, there's actually 80 men under Centurion. Uh, I thought it was 100 as well, but found out it was only 80 after a few iterations of the Legion. Anyway, enough of nerding out. Um, kind of looks like church, I guess. <laughs> the seating plan. Uh, you can see XTV on the side there. 
can see Sun Tao chairing and maybe a sound person, and then me, the brave centurion up front. Um, no, nah, just joking. Um, but yeah, you can see here that uh, all these people are under the centurion. Uh, and you can see that the prominence of if the centurion asks everyone to stand up, they all stand up without question, right? Um, imagine I told every one of you we're all going to KFC for dinner. I think there'll be a lot of groans and a bit of, uh, again? There's none of that in this case. Uh, or if I told you all we're going to get T4, some people will say yes, some people will say no because they want cocoa or something else. So, but in this case, there's, the authority that the centurion had, there was no question. When he gave an order for everyone to do something, they would just do it without question. Uh, that's the power of authority right there. And even, uh, I mean, the small text is there, but um, the centurion is under even higher officers, right? There are legates, there are generals, uh, things like that. So he himself is also under authority. So he understands that the power of giving an order, but he also understands the power of following an order from people higher up. And he understood that he doesn't have to go to these people to tell them and make sure they're doing the job right. Once he says it, everyone does it, right? It's the same with the people higher up, the officers higher up, the legates and things like that. If they command an order for the army to move forward, the whole army would move forward. They wouldn't have to go to the back, make sure the people at the back, the little rebels at the back, the cool kids at the back, don't move forward. They have to literally mush, uh, usher them forward. No, in this case, in the army, um, once you give an order, it goes. It just happens, right? Uh, that's the power of authority. So you can see the centurion understood authority. He didn't need to be in the same room to see an order carried out. Um, but we see that the centurion was a man who clearly understood authority. Um, but even more so, even more so than this, he understood, he understood the true authority that Jesus had. Amen? And that Jesus could command things, similar to how the centurion can command things, and see it to completion without him being even in the same room. Amen? And because of this, he was actually able to declare in verse 7, but say the word and my servant will be healed. So it's not just that faith, it's just understanding as well what that meant, what that verse meant as well. So the centurion knew that if God willed it, then it would come to pass, right? Because he knew God's authority wasn't dictated by a circumstance. He knew that, oh, because the weather's not good, I'm not going to perform a miracle. He understood that God did not need to physically lay his hands on the servant for the servant to be healed. Amen. And one of the coolest things about having a relationship with God is that, obviously, when we're, we, we're amazed. When he heals a servant, we are amazed. Uh, but whether it be through provision, whether it be through wisdom or love, we, we're amazed by how God is and who God is. Um, but do you know that he can actually be amazed by us as well? In verse 9, it says, uh, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. So we see Jesus himself was amazed. And through the testing of our faith, our own personal journeys, uh, we can actually show that as well. We can actually leave God amazed by our own faith as well, right? Um, but on the flip side, we can also see God amazed by our lack of faith, right? Uh, in Mark chapter 6, verse six, 4 to 6, it says, um, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Um, some translations even said he marveled because of their unbelief. And in Mark chapter 6, I mean, Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth. Um, and there you'd expect 
for most of us, maybe from Malaysia, um, when you go back home, you, you kind of maybe know that people will celebrate you coming home, right? Uh, your parents will welcome you back in, cook you a really nice meal, uh, really miss home-cooked food, I'm sure all of you do. Um, but yeah, you can imagine that when Jesus goes back to his hometown, you'd expect the highest level of faith there, the highest praise, and everyone, everyone understanding who Jesus is, what he represents, what he's done in other towns and cities, right? So you'd expect them to be full of faith. Uh, but actually, Jesus is amazed by how much lack of faith there is there. And so you see, Jesus wanted to be known when he first says it in verse 9. I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. The reason why he says this isn't just to kind of give praise to the centurion. Um, he says it because it's the type of faith that we should all have. He wants us all to have that same level of faith, right? Um, and why is that? Why is he saying all this high praise? Because it appeals to him at the end of the day. It appeals to him. Uh, and even as I close, I'm just going to invite the worship team back up as well. Um, but even as I close, when I was preparing for this sermon, um, one of the things that really struck me was actually, even though in verse 10 there was a miracle, uh, it does say the servant was healed, it's actually healed. Um, but it's not the main bulk of the passage that we just read. Uh, instead, it focuses on these qualities, these, this, the centurion, uh, who he is, uh, his heart, his humility, his faith, um, and, and how all this appeals to Jesus. Uh, and kind of why is that? I was thinking, why, why, is that, why is it significant that it focuses on the centurion and not the healing itself, right? And actually, I mean, for those of you who have been in church uh, about the past two, three years, uh, this is only the third time I've done a sermon, uh, but specifically in this one, it kind of made me realize that teaching us um, to draw closer to God isn't really about us getting more stuff. It's not about it's not about getting the job. It's not even about healing or anything like that, Lord. It's really just about God. Um, and don't get me wrong, when when we come to church, when we spend that time to pray for one another, we we do earnestly. We really want what we want as well. We want us to see our, our parents healed, see our parents saved, uh, that job, that job breakthrough, an employment breakthrough, uh, even, even, even money, provision and, and cash and all that. Um, and we will always pray for that. Um, but bigger than all those things is really about knowing God. Uh, it's about being with God, right? Uh, and I think there isn't that the whole point um, because even though jobs might be important, money might be important, healing might be important, um, that isn't the treasure, is it? Uh, God is really the treasure. Uh, being with God is the treasure. And so, appealing to God is about God at the end of the day. And God wants relationship with us. God wants connection with us. God doesn't want us to be alone. And Suntao shared this verse uh, when he was worship leading last week. It says, in Isaiah 55 verse 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And sometimes we only do that when we're in trouble. Um, but really this sermon is about living that out, living that call out uh, for the rest of our lives as well. And remember, God just rem wants to remind us that he is near, uh, he's not far, uh, and that we aren't alone, and that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. Um, so whatever you're going through, whatever baggage or burdens uh, you might be walking into church with, uh, remember God is near. 
and we have the power to call upon him to live out our lives for him uh, and he will come amen father god it's really just all about you lord uh, lord we don't want anyone else even as we just sang uh, we really just want you lord uh, whatever we're going through whatever burdens we might have whatever challenges you might face uh, lord we just want you we just want to be with you lord uh, so wherever you might be standing uh, lord we just want to pray that um, you just impact all these people all these different personal journeys that we might be having all these personal difficulties you might have uh, lord we just want to ask that you just come to this room and just remind us that you are near lord uh, lord just want to pray that we can just call out to you not just now uh, but also just live the rest of our lives as well to just call upon you lord uh, whether it be through having the heart having the humility or having even the faith lord uh, to believe that you are here you are with us lord and so lord we just draw near to you this morning lord amen if you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite jesus into your life why don't you join me in saying this prayer lord jesus thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.